Hello friends and welcome to episode number 8 of My Life in Miniatures. I'm John Ashton from heresyandheroes.com and you are, you've made it this far. You've made it to episode 8. I feel you should have some sort of reward. Well, how about an hour or so of me chatting with a wonderful hobbyist about their life in miniatures? That sounds like a good reward to me. Uh, yeah, how's it going? It's, uh, I'm coming to you from the distant past. Uh, it's uh, a week ago. Uh, for me right now uh, I am as I mentioned in my last podcast which literally to me came out uh, two hours ago I think yeah it's it's uh, it's it's busy for me right now there's I've got a lot going on and I didn't know when I was going to get the time to do this in the week coming up because I looked at my calendar and um, it is uh, it, it's it's busy it's definitely busy so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna sign myself up to do a couple of things, which uh, now that I think about it, I'm not even sure when I'm gonna get the chance to do these. But this is I'm committing to them here and now because it's it's on the podcast. Um, by the time you hear this, uh, I should have completed Malgunra. Yes, uh, Games Workshop were lovely enough to send me uh, a bunch of the new Eldar stuff, including Malgunra, who I've had. A lot of fun painting. Well, currently I've had a lot of fun painting his lower half because that's as far as I've got. But I'm hoping over the course of the next um, seven days or six days, I think it is, I will have painted the rest of him. And he'll look splendid, all in reds. Uh, I don't know why I decided to do him all in reds. I think it's just because I wanted to paint reds. And I mentioned on the last podcast that I was doing something that was all red. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's a hint to anyone. Why would that be a hint to anyone? Malgonra's never red, but he is now. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing a fully red Malgonra. I've even found a way. It's the closest I've got so far to painting something that you might be able to call rose gold. Um, so there you go. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. And also committing to this right here, right now, uh, there should be a new Lazy Painters Army list for... Uh, the new Eldar Codex, which is a chunky book. It is a massive one. Um, and uh, while uh, rules in 40k continue to get longer and bigger, um, a 200-page book, which has 120 pages of rules, does seem quite um, a lot. Now, of course, it's not just... Um, it's not just craft worlds in there. You get uh, all of the Harlequin stuff in there. You get the Inari stuff. And uh, you get some Corsair stuff as well. So there's there's plenty of Eldar in there. And it's a really fun book. And I'm hoping that uh, I am not proved wrong and that I have actually found the time to write that list uh, and get it on, on the blog. I can't tell you what's in it right now. Obviously, I, can't. I can guess. I'm almost certainly going to try and fit that new avatar in because it's gorgeous. Uh, I'd probably fit Malgonar in as well because he's pretty pretty sweet. Um, yeah, probably lots of the new stuff. Let's go with that. I, I'm, I'm making a rod for my own back now. I know I am. Um, but yeah, that's that's been my hobby this week. That is this week coming for me, but this week in the past. By the time you hear this, um, hey, there you go. Um, I've got a correction to make as well. I've got a correction to make uh, on. Um, one of the things that I was chatting with uh, Pete in our last episode, in episode seven, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I really recommend it, uh, with Pete Harrison. Uh, it was a lovely chat, and we were at one point talking about the moment when those old kits, which we kind of all thought would only ever be an epic scale, started coming over to um, 28mm scale. And we were trying to remember which was first, the Bane Blade or the Stomper. Uh, I can tell you that one of my regular listeners has uh, corrected me um, on uh, when things came out and in what order. And I can tell you right now, I'm just going to double check. Uh, the first of those big kits to come out was the Bane Blade, which was uh, by Tim Adcock. And then the Stomper, which was by Ali Morrison. So um, those, that's the order that those kits came out in. Uh, but yeah, um, otherwise, what else has been going on? Um, I don't know, because obviously I'm a week <laughs> I'm a week in the past. Uh, we're at the tail end of Storm Eunice, the Queen's got COVID, um, the British women just won uh, the curling 
uh, gold medal in the Winter Olympics, which, and this is not hobby related, so, you know, I'm sorry about that, but I, one of the things I love about the Winter Olympics, if Britain ever does well in anything, the British public, who have never paid any attention to some of these sports at all in their lives, suddenly become experts. Um, I was I was in a pub uh, last night, and uh, they're talking about the men's curling final, and I just overheard this guy. He's like, well, I mean, he's lead stone in in the seventh end. I mean, that was just a joke. What was he thinking, eh? And that 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 one bloke, he can't brush for toffee. So. Um, I love that. I find that incredibly endearing and funny. Um, but that's got nothing to do with the hobby. I just, I just like that 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 happens. Um, yeah. What are we doing today? We have got Greg Dan on the show. Um, Greg is a wonderful guy who very kindly took time out of the schedule, and he's a fellow podcaster too. And I really recommend you check out his podcasts. Uh, if you are a fan of the Horus Heresy, the Imperial Truth is one of the best uh, podcasts that you can listen to. If you're more into Tiny Titans and Adeptus Titanicus, his newer podcast, Full Stride, I think Imperial Truth's been going for eight years and Full Stride's uh, relatively new uh, in comparison to the Imperial Truth, absolutely. Um, But they're full of fun and um, good times and good chats and um, if if you need some more hobby company apart from me, I would recommend giving... uh, one or both of those a, a follow um and actually i'm going to get preemptive now as well um i'm going to make a correction for what you're about to hear uh, at one point and i'm not going to give anything away yet because i always think it's nice people when i speak to people they say oh it's really nice hearing about that miniature because i hadn't thought about that miniature in a while and so i'm not going to give anything away on what miniatures are coming up but at one point we're talking about someone um who uh Greg identifies him as uh, someone called Sam, and I failed to correct Greg on that, and it's uh, what we actually mean is Simon. Um, I'm just preempting the uh, text messages and Twitter messages and um, corrections via email that I'm bound to get uh, if I don't do that. But otherwise, other than that, it was a really fun recording, um, and uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. I hope it's a good hobby company for you, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, I think that's about all I've got to tell you. So let's dive straight into my chat with Greg Dan about his life in miniatures. Greg, thank you so much for joining me on uh, My Life in Miniatures. Uh, my pleasure. It's, uh, thank it's, you for having me. Well, no worries. Thank you for being here. And um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's wonderful to have a, another podcaster on. Um, we'll, we'll talk about your podcast in a little bit, um, but we're going to start off going all the way back to your earliest miniatures and your earliest memories of, of toy soldiers. And you actually reminded me of this. And when people ask me what my, my first miniatures are, I always forget this box, which I actually had before I ever went into a games workshop store. Um, so uh, tell me about battle masters. So I had a couple of friends. I had a friend's older brother who had a huge empire army when I was in primary school back in the um, late, mid, late 80s. And uh, a few other little things, dalliances, but never owning any models. Um, But uh, Christmas Christmas and birthday, I was like in the Argos catalogue, circling all the things I want. And one of them was this amazing, cool set. And I've actually gone back and looked at like some people talking about it and like the value of that set back then, the amount of stuff, like it was huge for like yeah, yeah, 92 yeah. it came out and um, Battle Masters came with this huge mat with uh, hexagons on it and it was good versus evil. And it yep. was, so it was just all manner of empire and, and what have you on one side, then chaos and orcs and goblins and stuff on the other side. And um, it was a fantastic game. I was about 11. My brother's a year and a half older than me. He used to beat me every time just because mm-hmm. of the age gap, which yeah. annoyed me inherently because I was the one into it and he wasn't. Yeah. Um, and you got yeah, a castle with it as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it, it was great. And the cannon was the coolest thing yeah, ever. Yeah. And yeah, it was a fantastic set. In fact, the um, I know you had uh, members of the hate group on before that. In their group, they did a little collective painting of that set. And it's they fantastic did. to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, yeah. 
yeah, great, great memories of that game. Uh, whether I picked it up now and could play it, uh, <laughs> who no, knows? No, I but, my memories of it are that it was actually quite complicated. It was one of those things I loved. I loved building it and laying it all out on the on the living room floor because the map was huge. It was a big square yeah. mat, wasn't it? And yeah. it had a river on it. Um, but yeah, I just I remember my I was probably about nine years old trying to wrap my head around those rules and yeah. didn't happen. It was uh, no, it, yeah, it, it was tricky. It was certainly tricky. But um, so I then had these models and I was like, cool. Well, you got to paint them. Yeah. And. Um, where you know, I live in between two games workshops and we didn't really go into those towns much. Uh, yeah. Mum and dad busy and that kind of thing. Uh, so, um, oh, oh, one of our friends does paint Sabutio figures. Um, nice. We can go and get some paint from them. So I've got these enamel paints, about six enamel paints. And um, mm. I just decided to start with a goblin uh, wolf rider, but without the rider, so just the wolf. And yeah, he was yeah. painted all silver. Beautiful. I don't know why. I've no idea well, why. Perfectly good colour for a for a wolf, I think. Yeah, silver yeah. mane. Indeed, and I don't think it's particularly got much better since then. So, <laughs> oh, it has. <laughs> don't sell yourself um, short. But uh, yeah, that was that was my first G, um, GW model. Um, yeah, yeah, combined with Milton Bradley, but yeah, well, I it think was, it was Milton Bradley. It was. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It, it may well have been one of the last Milton Bradley Games Workshop collaboration games because of course mm. they did hero quest and space crusade and things like that beforehand but, yeah absolutely yeah i remember going back to when i got into games workshop i actually remember because so we lived uh when i where i was growing up we were sort of nine miles away from a big town that had a games workshop and the games workshop was on the best street ever because it had uh, a cinema a comic book shop games workshop and the best burger place in, right. in Reading. It was in Reading in Berkshire. And uh, my friend's dad would only drive us there. So he's like, right, you've got about half an hour because that was the amount of time it took him to go and meet a burger. Sure. And uh, and then we'd just hang out and games workshop. But I remember seeing the Empire Cannon and being like, hang on, I've seen that before. Yeah. I know that from somewhere. And then I worked out. Yeah. It was years later that it clicked because Battlemasters came and did it and then other stuff came and then I yeah, got into yeah. GW and it was it was like a little while into the journey with the GW. I was like, hold on, that's the same thing. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, what a place to start. And well done for getting a mention of Sabutio in there as well because that's a, well, uh, yeah. it's a miniatures game that doesn't get much of a look in these days. I, I was terrible at it. So. Oh, so was I. <laughs> well, because you just want to flick them as hard as you can, right? I mean, you yeah, know. yeah. You know, if you see, if you see, I don't know if you've ever seen any championship Sabutio tournament Sabutio. It's no. not played like the way you think it should be played. It's like all defense in a line, and then um, mm. like two or three people like being flicked up the table. Um, it's sometimes like when you play hobby 40k mm. or whatever, and then yeah. you go to a tournament and your mind's blown by the fact. Hold on, you're not running forwards with those combat yeah, troops, like. Yeah. Ah! But um, yeah, it's weird. Anyway. Right. Well, I know what I'm doing after this recording then. I'm going to be watching Sabutio <laughs> Championship miniature, uh, uh, games in, into the evening. Okay. Um, well, no, it's great to be reminded of Battlemasters because, yeah, it's just I remember suddenly having an entire empire on me and uh, it's it's mm. nice to hear that. And I too, um, yes, Humbrol enamel paints were, were the favourites to just ruin those things with. But then if we take your journey into the hobby on a little bit, um, you mentioned to me uh, the Grey Hunters box, uh, Space Wolves, you, and about how versatile that box was. Because so, this is came out around, well, I th- you said potentially I third edition. I think it might have been. It might have been yeah, second, I, late second. So but. my my memory for these things is kind of terrible. I remember mm, them, but not, not the details around them. Yeah. But um, I do remember, so... I say, got, uh, it was about nine to two was when I started secondary school. So I got into, my mates had White Dwarf. It was like, whoa, mm. and then started going with MTKGW and stuff. So we started to get into it then. But uh, I just remember the Space Wolf. I was into Space Wolf for a start, which helps. Um, yeah. But that sprue came out and it was packed. Like mm-hmm. nowadays, people think, well, okay, you know, whatever. But back then you got 10 Marines on a sprue and you didn't have many options and it was huge gaps. Like that's how you can tell how old a sprue is, the gaps between the bits. And 
Um, and there was just hundreds of pieces on it. There were like loads of heads, like, you know, every Space Wolf player, even back then, you just had boxes of heads yeah, uh, and, yeah, and nice. things like that. And it was like knives and, and wolf tail talismans and so much stuff in that. that I just remember the kind of like, wow, like yeah. they've, it was it's one of those moments where GW stepped up a level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it ushered in the next level of miniature kits. And it's maybe not as glorious as the first plastic Space Marines or or what or the next big kit. Because I almost went with one of those big kits that really stood out as a defining moment, like the the night when the Knights came out, Imperial Knights. Like yeah. it was like, wow, what a moment. But for me, it was that Grey Knight, uh, Grey Hunters box set. They're a troop choice. And you mm. just got so much in there. And I think that's almost a staple of what GW do now is they provide so much in a kit and you know, other, other companies are great with all their different models and stuff, but they, they generally make one thing. Yes. You don't have so many options. GW just put, so many options on stuff obviously there are people who make stuff with options on of course <laughs> gro- yeah, yeah. grossly generalizing but that's what you do on podcasts that's fine yeah it's fine yeah, yeah no you're right yeah. i mean i i look back at the probably from maybe slightly before then um or potentially similar timing the death company box set and you got it was a, a piece of polystyrene inside the uh inside a cardboard box and there were eight lead space marine torsos legs and heads all in yeah. one and then you got the plastic shoulder pads arms and the little weapon sprues and you used to get like yeah. a sprue that had a las pistol a plasma pistol a bolt pistol uh, and a chain sword and a power sword and a power axe or something and a power fist all in, in on one sprue um and that was about as much as you could do and then i think i look at the the blood angels tactical squad that you get now and it's just it's this it's a similar thing it's just great to have those options yeah. it, it is something they do very very well yeah absolutely and, and it's in that progression over time and that was the time when you know i was um i was at school and you had loads of time <laughs> to play yeah, yeah. and you know summer holidays were filled with going around mates houses and, uh, and doing whatever so yeah it was um yeah, it was it was just that that market step up from from one era into the next era Definitely. And um, did it? So, wolves were your favourite back then. Are they still among your? Yeah, favorites? I mean, space space Vikings. Obviously, they're a bit more nuanced. They're a bit more nuanced, and they're not a bit yes. more nuanced at all. Yeah, but yeah. Um, they're not just space Vikings. Um, but yeah, space wolves are always my my thing. Um, super cool. Um, super oversimplified by most people who don't like them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but amazingly cool dudes, and they care about humanity. I think that was a little bit that like, pretty early on. It's like everyone, you know, oh, salamanders care about humans and stuff. While well, yeah, space yeah. wolves were prepared to go to war with a lot of the Imperium to defend uh, the humans who survived um, Armageddon. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they were they would they were going to put their bodies on the line for all the faults they have. Everyone's got to have faults, but of course yeah, there are no good guys. Yeah. absolutely not but they're, they're close yeah um them and the salamanders who yeah everyone kind of likes both those guys um so now moving on to um another well uh, i say another our first non-games workshop miniature um i hadn't seen this before have you not uh no and you sent it to me and um i was very close to clicking the buy now button <laughs> um i'm trying to remember that uh you know, all of our energy bills are going to go up. Um, so I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't do these impulse purchases. But um, when I say Chimera, people might start thinking of a, an Imperial Guard tank, but we're talking about an actual Chimera. Well, yeah. So it's interesting because it's slightly altered Chimera. So did you look at both the links? Because there's this yes. model has been updated. So this, mm-hmm. um, I actually, through looking this up, found um, Daniel Cockersell's Instagram Oh, and right. followed him because some amazing stuff. He worked for Forgeworld uh, before he did um, the huge uh, Zinch Demon yes, and a few others, right, yeah. uh, big, really big kits. And he went mm. to work for Veta Workshop yeah, down yeah. in New Zealand. Um, and Mercian Miniatures, uh, one of the guys who worked there at the time, actually responded on the Instagram and said it was about like 2011, 2012. Oh. And it was just a perfect storm of 
availability because it was painted by Ben Comets as well for their image. Not bad. And the image is like top notch. And yep, it's yep. this, yeah, it's a chimera with manticore, um, with a manticore tail. It's just some slight differences to a, a general chimera. Yeah. Um, and they've updated it now to change the goat head to a more uh, it's a huge rat type head thing, mm-hmm. a bit more fantastical. Uh, but for me, that original, the Terror of, um, what was it, Terror of Forti- Fortriu or something, uh, mm-hmm. is just, it still stands up for me. Uh, and this yeah. is, you know, a model that's 10 years old. The lion head on it, if if, if anyone's going to look at this, the painted, I'm painted or unpainted, the lion head is still one of the greatest things I think I've yeah. ever seen sculpted. Um, and the whole model is just stunning. And it's yeah. huge. And it is, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just one of those models where oh, I have no use for it. <laughs> and um, I, I do want it. Um, I've mm-hmm. always kind of wanted it. Uh, and it kind of fits in. I, I almost uh, realized actually just after I sent it that it sort of fits in the Marauder Destroyer kind of thing of that's a model I need, but I can't yes. justify. Yeah, yeah. And it's these two models are like my top ones of that. Yeah, nice. It's, That's cool. It's just a sublime, it is sublime piece of sculpting. It is beautiful. It's the sculpting, as you say. Um, I I looked at the. You sent me a link to Dan Cockersell's, uh art station uh, profile with that, and if it's the painted one on that one, the one that was painted by Ben Comets. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just stunning. Like when you said. Yeah the lion head i just looked at him and went yes that is a lion head because it's a, a lion a serpent and in that one i think it's the goat yeah uh, now updated to be more rat like uh, it's got sort of dragon bat wings and a scorpion tail um and it's just a, it's a fantastic although it's it's slightly unique it's it's a classic uh fantasy monster yeah. really um, yeah, you, you know exactly what you're looking at, even though it's altered yes. um, a little bit. And um, Mersh, I found, particularly back there, Mersh and Miniatures um, were a little bit up and down. But when they yeah. hit, they really hit. And they, they put a lot of effort, I think, into getting the, the right people. And um, so Daniel's uh, Instagram is just full of phenomenal stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah particularly as someone who can't sculpt to save their life. You know, I don't even... I can't even do fur, you know. No, I'm <laughs> um, similar. And yeah. So I look at this and just think, what kind of warp magic is this? Mm, it's um, incredible. Yeah, it's stunning. Yeah. Now, I mean, you mentioned there um, the Marauder Bomber. Did, did you ever take the plunge on the Marauder Bomber? No, but uh, I, I'm tempted. It's, <laughs> I think it's the Destroyer I want. I think. Oh, the Destroyer. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm a little bit like I swap back and forth. Um, they're ridiculously useless in game mm-hmm. um, but yeah hey you know you, whatever you get um, to make the noise whenever you bring it onto the tabletop yeah. you start going me. it's one of those things so Justin Hill the author bought one too when I ran the heresy event at London heresy uh, London GT a number of yeah. years ago um, he bought one and people were like oh my god oh my god oh my god like, and then <laughs> I'm playing this thing and then it no. like, is that all it does yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter it just doesn't matter it floats mm. along the battlefield looking amazing. Yeah, the the rule of cool definitely counts with that one. Mm. Um, no, what a... Okay, so... Well, no, hang on. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that for a moment. Sure. Um, next up on your list, um, we have uh, a, both a miniature and an army. Uh, so your Lord of Slanesh on Steed. Oh, sure. Um, so... This has been kind of a running thing throughout me doing this podcast in, in season one. Lots of enjoyment of Slanesh. I don't know why. I think maybe it's because of my love of Slanesh. I've picked a lot sure. of other people who really like Slanesh just subconsciously. But um, yeah, what was it that, that drew you to Slanesh and this model in particular? So weirdly, it would be my third favorite Slanesh. If we were just no, talking right. about Chaos Powers, it would be Zinch, Corn, Slanesh, then Nurgle. Yeah. And. Um, this was this was one of those things. I was playing a Warriors of Chaos army for a lot of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and really enjoying it, and getting a lot of fun out of using fast cav and being very maneuverable and and, and playing around with other people's movement and things like that. And yeah. um, just in chats at the club and 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 G Dub, 
thinking, oh, I'd really love to do a massive marauder army. And then that over time, over time, I was, I was never going to paint that many foot marauders. Just never going to happen. No, no. And then just kind of had a chat with someone. I was like, oh, an all-cav army would be great. Mm-hmm. I was like, an all-marauder cap. I could combine the two and just have this. And you know what? Maybe I was reading Riders of the Dead by Dan Abnett um, around that time as well. That might have influenced it. Lovely. But, but an all-marauder cav army, so everything just moved super quick, um, fluid, you know, a couple of other little bits with it, but led by these four brothers um, of Slanesh, all riding demonic steeds, mm. um, which, you know, I only had one unit that could go into combat, and that's because I could put two or three characters into the combat because the dudes would just die. Yeah, um, yeah. And then playing it, the first time I ever played it, I was playing a Plutonian player, and his turn one, I had three units in his deployment zone, and he could make no charges. Nice. Uh, and he's like, I don't even know how to play. And I, I lost the game in the end be- mm. because it's so hard to get right. But yeah, yeah. it was like, I'm I'm playing such a different game. And it was so, it's it's the favorite army. It's up there as my joint favorite army I've ever played. And uh, it was brilliant. I took it to the South Coast GT. I think there was about 180, 190 players. And yeah. um, a guy I know, he, <laughs> he double won the break test uh, last turn of the game. Uh, to stop me winning and finishing yeah. like the highest I would ever finish. It was, it was just one of those little sweet, you get these every now and then, whatever walk in life you're in, where you get everything that just clicks right. Like, and yeah. I'm not talking about playing the game. I'm talking about it plays the way I want it to. It looks great. It's completely different. Like people walking past going, what's that? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. army can't win, uh, you know? And I'm like, well, sometimes it can't. <laughs> there are some matchups where you just hold your hands up and go, yeah. that's fine that's cool so i had this whole riders of the step kind of thing going on and i say these four chaos um lord uh, well, chaos lord and his uh three heroes with him and and then you're like well there's only one chaos demonic steed of slanesh model there is and it's yeah. a stunning model but there's only yeah. one of them so then I had to start coming up with idea, conversion ideas. And I'm not very good. So it was all mainly weapon swaps, a couple of torso swaps. Yeah, well, uh, right. And then, yeah, absolutely they do. And, and coming up with a little background as to why they might be wearing what they are. So, you know, mm. one of them had gone into, one of them had got civilized and gone into an empire town. And so he had like all the flagellant, uh, the, um, he had all the, um, the great sword kind of frills and all that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, nice. uh, another one was proper marauder. Another one was a bit more chaos warrior. And then the one I really liked was um, a little bit chaos warrior, but then things like you had the dark Eldar um, plane helm with no features on it, yeah. which, you know, suits Slanesh down to the ground uh, really. Um, Definitely. And that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it worked. And, you know, I, at, at that event, it got it's one of those things it got a lot of attention and when people looked too close they were like oh cool you know it's okay and i'm like perfect because that's that's my level and that's fine that's Mm. cool i'm not prepared to go not prepared to put the hours in to go more than that but um to see kind of people interested in something you've made as a particularly as someone who's you know i'm an average painter i'm I, I, i try and paint between the lines that's my thing that's cool um, yeah, but to have people yeah. recognise what you're doing, even at that level, it, you know, it's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. People recognise good ideas and they appreciate good ideas. And um, but that, I mean, that, I suppose that leads me on to another question because you are very much, um, or I, at least I very much associate you with gaming and uh, events. Where do you get the the most joy in your hobby is it from attending events with an army or is it actually sitting down and enjoying a bit of hobby time to yourself um i don't mind building models yeah um i think as someone once said i don't enjoy parenting i enjoy having parented i don't really enjoy painting i enjoy having painted armies yeah yeah, Um, yeah. and i'm I'm in that weird headspace where I've got friends who will literally, they won't paint anything unless it's a spray can and a wash. And that's cool. You know, they're proper mm-hmm. gamers. Um, and I'm in that. I don't necessarily enjoy it yeah. painting a huge amount, but I want to do more <laughs> than mm-hmm. just the, the easy method. So I'm in that kind of weird. So I think more people are in that than they kind of realize, um, where they have yeah. a certain level of painting, um, and they won't let themselves drop below that too much. 
yeah. Uh, you know, and I can I say I can paint an army on the table given enough time. Yeah, to paint an army on the table, which people go, oh, that's quite cool. Yeah. And and that's and that's what I'm aiming at. To be fair, lovely. Yeah, well, it's a good thing to aim for. Definitely, it's, uh, yeah, it's, so a, it's a very pretty army. So. Yeah, that one, yeah that one took me a long time. That was I back. I moved back in with my parents doing that, and I was like rubbish lighting, sitting uh, at the yeah. coffee table, like yeah, yeah. building up to an event as well. So like I've got I've got so many nights to get this done. Right, come mm. on, and I and I think I think it took me like four months when I really got kind of down to it because I'm quite slow. Um, but yeah, and that sense of achievement, like as I say, like I might not be. The best painter in the world, cool, whatever. But that's the army I painted. It took me that time, fine, but I got it done. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's a good feeling. That's a great feeling. A- anything you do, isn't it? Absolutely. No, there, there's something about when you stand back from a, an army you've painted. I remember when I got back into the hobby, and I was, you know, I hadn't painted a miniature in years and years, and my first army was. I mean, I saw it again relatively recently, and it is it's not pretty. But when I remember that feeling when you when you get to two thousand points and you just think, yeah, that's you, you put it all out up on the table or on the desk together for the first time, and you just think, yeah, that's that's pretty special. Yeah, and I think it's important to take that time. Like it's, it's a bit like golf. Um, this hobby, you do a lot of it by yourself. Yes, like, you yeah, know, yeah. in golf, you're competing against everyone else, but it's just you and that ball and mm-hmm. that course. And here, when you're painting, it's you and your model and your paints, and that is it. So. Yeah. You have to do what you do, and within reason, you can't help what other people are doing, but you need to just be satisfied and happy with what you're doing. Absolutely. That is a very wise lesson for <laughs> for me and all the listeners to take away from this one. Um, all right, now I think we're going to move on to something that may not have been a gateway, but, um, well, aside from the Marauder Destroyer that we've already mentioned, this is the first model from a game system that I would very much associate with you. Um, and it's a model that I, I remember when I saw it for the first time I, my jaw dropped and um, I absolutely loved it um, what drew you to the Thanatar? So uh, I've been into heresy we, we used to talk heresy um, before there was heresy at the club yeah. you know all the old old lore that's not quite so legit now yeah. you know Lehman Russ chopping the heads off titans things like that <laughs> Um and so I started going to the Heresy Weekenders and I, I bought in hard and I was like, cool. Tony Cottrell, bless him, said, you know, we're going to go in, in order. Once this fan's done, we're going in chronological mm-hmm. order. And I'm like, brilliant. Prospero's book four, Space Wolves are my jam. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to spend a penny until those Space Wolves come out. And then I walked into the hall where they show off the miniatures at the Horus mm. Heresy Weekender, and there's a model that is so different from anything they've done previously. Yeah. It's like when the Tau came out. Yeah, it's different yeah, style, yeah. but it was its new thing. The Thanatar was, is an amazing kit, and it was made more amazing by the fact that we hadn't seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, it's got this huge mortar on one shoulder. It's all, <laughs> it's like, it's, in, uh, it's, it's Mars tech. So it's done slightly differently. And, and the Forge World designers for, for heresy, you know, smash the aesthetic yeah, so yeah. perfectly right at the start. Um, I, I don't think I've met anyone who doesn't like the Thanatar as a, no. as a, 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 you know, a piece of kit. It's just brilliant. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. To the point where I went and bought one. And I'm, um, as as I get older, <laughs> mm. I've got better at resisting those urges. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that broke my my rule, and I went and bought a, a Mechanicum army. I've since sold it um, mm-hmm. because sometimes you get armies and you just think I've I've done now. I can't be bothered to paint that yeah, army, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I want that money to use somewhere else. But that I, I can see myself buying a few more bits back up at some point yeah. in the future and, and allying them in with my space walls because that Thanatar is is still just yeah it's just funky i mean when you like something you like something don't you and you can't always put your finger on it but it, no. it was a wow moment yeah i thought i think when i saw a lot of the um mechanicum stuff that forge were doing for heresy it, it it was all sort of like oh that's very cool that's very nice and then you see the thanatar not just it's 
how good it looks, but also the size of it. Yeah. And you just think, oh, yes, that's a, that's a bit nice, is that one. It's, um, you put it on the table, and when people haven't played against them very often, they're drawn to it, and they're like, mm. I have to kill that. I just know I have to kill it, because it just looks so imposing. Yeah, um, yeah. And the rules can be quite good, but actually, if you play well, it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But people get so fixated on it. It's just one of those yeah. things. It dominates like the kind of the army through, you know, partly its coolness, partly its size. Um, yeah, it's just mm. I don't know who designed it, but they, I, I don't, I can't imagine any ways to improve it. No, it's, it's a great model. It really is. Um, so, as I was saying, I, I often think of um, the heresy when when I see your. <laughs> Uh, name pop up on my Twitter feed. Um, when and and also, I guess as a, I'm intrigued on this from a selfish level as a as a as a fellow podcaster. When and why did you start the Imperial Truth? Um, so I'm a white man who's not quite middle class, mm-hmm. <laughs> so got to have a podcast. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> we um, so my good friend David Whitech uh, runs the Garage Hammer. Um, Age of Sigma was fantasy podcast. Yeah. I'd appeared on that a couple of times uh, through links created through the fact I was part of a, an independent Warhammer magazine at one point um, mm-hmm. doing games reviews and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, and I'd gone on, I'd actually got out to Gen Con and met him. So started podcasting with him while we were out in Gen Con, occasionally while we were out in Gen Con, we talked heresy books because I'd got him into reading the heresy novels mm-hmm. and we just talked for a whole evening about novels heresy novels yeah. um to the point where we then said we should why, why aren't we recording this kind of thing so we started after and all which was a heresy book club book review podcast thing yeah, yeah. which um is on currently on, on on permanent hiatus just because of the time um, yeah but we had amazing fun with that and the game was out and there were no podcasts for heresy so this that you know, that started before heresy came out and um I was like, there's no heresy podcast. I love my podcasts. And I tried to do a Warhammer one and didn't really have anything to go on. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what? Just someone's got to do it. So I think it took me about two years. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I was driving for work at the time. So podcasts about podcasting were my my jam for a little while. I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Um, be eight years in june i think wow that the imperial truth's been running uh ups and downs um some of it's some of it's good some of it's not so good no that's eight years (laughs) yeah it's your hobby and you know eight years we're all no one's gonna be rocking out five star podcasts every week so yeah you know i'm i'm a guy who's uh, uh, not always I can come across a bit dry and things like that as well mm-hmm. you know some that just doesn't gel with some people and that's cool you know it's good because that yeah, there's, there's bits out there for everyone then Absolutely. Um, so yeah it was literally trial and error and and I still I'm I'm a little bit like a tech priest in that um, when something goes when I moved in with my my now wife we moved mm-hmm. in just before we bought our house we moved into her little flat I set my equipment up and I was recording with Neil and we'd set a recording date and I had my, um, at the time I had a little mixer out and I could not get it to work and I could hear him and he couldn't hear me Mm. and he was helping by making sounds and making sure I could still hear him. But when you're trying to do something, having someone constantly talk at you is the most infuriating thing ever. And um, I, I ended up turning it all off and I said to Emma, I said, if I can't get that working tomorrow, I'm out. I'm oh, absolutely wow. out of this thing because I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, and I, I just pressed one button in the end. It worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, so I, I don't know what I'm doing. Everything stays the same when I record. Um, don't question it. Just make prayers to the Omnissiah. And uh, if yeah, you do, do everything it. the same, it will work every time. So Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that's <laughs> the case because I try not to touch any of this equipment. Oh, well, I, I bought a microphone that's rather expensive. It seems to be quite good. Um, yeah, yours is good. My setup in my place, I bought um, I bought a microphone uh, that was rather expensive that the GW mm-hmm. team used, and uh, it sounds awful. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> it sounded yeah. worse than my cheap microphone, and well, that's because I don't know what I'm doing with it. So, no. you know, I've gone back to a cheaper microphone. Yeah. In fact, I, I've gone to an even cheaper one then. Oh, nice. Well, I, I bought a pop filter for this thing, and it just made me sound incredibly breathy. 
and I don't yeah. think that's what they're supposed to do. So. No, it's it's a hard balance to get right. I, I think yeah. for you know some people do it, and some people got the, the knack for it. Also, it depends what space you're in. I, I've I've never had a good space for recording. No. Um, I, I'm right by a window. Luckily, we live on a quiet road, but when I want to record in summer and people are out doing bits and pieces, it's, oh, you know. Yeah, I, so. I, I live in a part of Nottingham that is usually on fire or full of emergencies so there'll be a siren at some point but we're not here to talk about podcasting darn it um i think we should move on to our next topic so uh next on our list um with you greg we have now is this is uh, well you gave me the name of a primark i'm wondering if it's still your favorites primark in terms of what what the miniature looks like yep it is hasn't hasn't changed i think since the day it came out nice so tell me about what uh because it's it's not everyone's favorite primark um, yeah, other other people can be wrong it's fine yeah yeah that's true <laughs> um but what is it about ferris manis that um you find so inspiring it's it's again it's hard for me to kind of describe it but so it works best when it's in conjunction it was designed to work with fulgrim uh, yes. so it's the third primark that was released and uh, when angron came out uh wasn't like wow primark mm-hmm. you know we never thought we'd see the day no, um, no, look no. at it now you know they're in 40k like you know yeah. normal primark should i say um and then fulgrim came out and ferris was designed to work with him and i, I i'm 99 percent sure it was sam egan that sculpted it um, i think so yeah yeah and the movement like he looks like he's swinging that hammer yeah. and other miniatures do look like, but you really like, I can feel the force he's swinging that hammer with. And it's just, I, I you know, there are, I, don't get me wrong. I love all the Primarchs, mm-hmm. um, some more than others, but this guy, every time I, I think of other Primarchs and like, which one I like best, it always comes back to Ferris. He is just, He's tilted slightly up because of the diorama. That's the only kind of criticism I've got with it. If that was flat, um, he would look yeah. better by himself. Like we're talking about such a small difference, and if you want to, you can do it. Yeah, it's not yeah, a huge it's... amount to, to alter that. Um, but he's just... yeah. And I, I understand some people don't like the backpack. Is there's a lot going on with the back backpack and the other bits, and that, that doesn't bother me. I understand no. that will bother some people. But he's just the the, the head is brilliant. The mm. arms are brilliant. The, those bare arms, um, yeah. I say that the the pose is just you, you can feel whatever he's about to hit already crumping. Yes, um, yeah. under the weight of the blow, uh, it is just. I think you know Sam sculpted the majority of the majority of Primarchs, and mm. I still don't think he's better than that. And there are some amazing Primarchs out there. Yeah, um, but ferris for me i think the paint job's amazing on it as well like again some of the paint jobs don't stand out so well in photos mm-hmm. and things like that but ferris always um is just it's just the sweet point for me yeah yeah no, those, and he's now yeah. that you say it i can i can actually see that hammer sort of going into the side of a land raider and smashing it to yeah. pieces it's, yeah um, probably knocking it about 10 foot as well yeah like, yeah you know just shunting it across the table yeah it's it's just a phenomenal model we actually did on on the imperial truth we did a a three episode uh, series of um working out the best primark um, oh right okay and my my co-host um Howard was a little bit surprised at how high I put him, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because like, if you look at particularly like the lion and recently, like the level, the consistency has just been amazing through the last, however many, but, um, but for me, like Ferris was just that perfect encapsulation of, of that character. Um, yeah, I, I I always look forward to Sam's next big, centerpiece model because he's mm-hmm. just phenomenal yeah. um but yeah i think also it was um i mean it's become a like you say angron was first and was pretty awesome to see him um and see gore child and gore father in full flow um but i remember when fulgrim came out uh and it's almost become a bit of a meme 
since, but the face was a bit, it, it's very exaggerated because it's meant to be yeah. this, you know, prancing prince who's beautiful and, but also terrifying. Um, and I remember saying that and uh, myself being like, I don't, you know, I didn't love the face, yeah. but I, I understood where it was coming from. But then when I saw uh, Ferris Manus's face, it has that sort of, it's quite stoic and um, determined. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It just, it works and, very, very nicely. And Ferris even makes Fulgrim look better because Fulgrim's pose is, when he's alone, is slightly weird off. Yeah. Um, but when you put it alongside Ferris, it mm-hmm. fits much better. And there are, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that um, Korax has similar issues to Fulgrim in that yeah. trying to convey a different type of movement. And it's technically correct, like the way the hair goes and everything else. But models don't always work technically correct as well as, you know, sometimes you have those little tricks to make it look right, even though yeah, it would yeah. be different. So, yeah, they, they become much harder projects it's you know and that's fair enough like you keep aiming for them and and and, yeah. and again i i mean super nitpicky yeah yeah so you know yeah we're, we're, we're judging the highest level here yes um, yes for, we're, we're like those me, people who watch gymnasts who do an incredible routine oh for yeah absolutely five minutes oh. and we go uh, your foot's out of line minus 500 exactly points. Yeah, yeah i could do yeah. that while she's sitting on the sofa at home yeah yeah, um, exactly. yeah and literally ferris for me is just you know, ten um, or five degrees, like yeah, forward yeah. on his on his front foot, and and it would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, so on your on your lists, how far up did uh, did Russ come? Oh blimey, I'm trying to remember now. Um, he was he was up there. He yeah, was up yeah. there. Yeah, the pose is is fantastic with with Russ. Like mm. again, um, the character of the models comes across in all those Primarchs. Yeah. And Ferris looks like he is hunting you. And yes. he will find yeah. you. And there is no escape. Mm. Um, oh, sorry, you mean Russ? I, I yeah, said, yeah. yeah, Russ. I meant Russ. Yeah, um, yeah he, he was up there. He was up there. But there have been so many good ones yeah. that, that it's, you know, um, yeah. It was great yeah. to see the Khan come out. And it's just exciting to see what's next for that character series for the bigger ones. Oh, well, we've got Carbanda. Um, which is phenomenal. So. Yes, and you're working on some some 30k demons at the moment, I believe. I have, yeah. In fact, I've got a lot of Mercia miniatures, big um, like Inferni, they're called, right. which are big classical demons. So they're very, they feel like they could fit in alongside a Bloodthirster. Yeah. Um, and I've just bought their big one, and I think Carpander's a little bit bigger than him, so nice. I will be buying Carpander. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't tend to make big models like that. I'm not that great. I don't particularly enjoy it. So mm. I will pay my good friend to build it for me. And um, I think I've told him I'm going to pay him to rotate the wing slightly as well. But, yes. Um, yeah. Know, that's the, again, it's the one thing for that. I think that if the wing was almost horizontal, it would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. But we'll have to see when the model comes and, and get, go over that. Yeah, I agree with that. And But the face on Commander, I just looked at that face and thought, yes, that is the most bloodthirsty bloodthirster that's ever bloodthirsted. Yeah, and it, it's, that guy, and my mate Dan, he's actually getting one himself as well because he's got a, um, a large corn army for Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. And we're working out, once he gets him, I think that puts him at six bloodthirsters type models. So right. there's only a couple more to get couple for eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, which nice. kind of has to be done once you're that close, I think. I think he has to go for the old um, Hero Quest gargoyle at some <laughs> yeah. point. Just... Maybe, maybe. <laughs> on a huge base, on a big yeah, rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, or just a pile of skulls, right? Just a huge That's pile it. of skulls. Hero Quest yeah, gargoyle. Like the Knack well. McFeagle. Um, there you go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So um before we leave the um the the realm of 30k to talk about the other things that you're um working on uh, just a quick mention of your other podcast which I have to confess I hadn't uh, I hadn't listened to until a few days ago. All right. Um because I noticed we had a mutual guest on. Um I had so, yeah. uh, Henry Steele on my podcast you had him on this cuz I know it's one of his passions. Tell me about Full Stride. So, uh, <laughs> much like um, Heresy. So, uh, I jumped on I jumped on Adeptus Titanicus when it was re-released. Uh, old school, I don't, I, I never played the original. I played a bit of, um, oh, God blimey, what's the name? The Space Marine with the, um, 
with the Imperator and the and the Gargants. Oh, so, no, epic. it was not. No, uh, epic. no Titan Legions. It was Titan called, Legions. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. See, names terrible as you get older. Mm. Um, and I played a bit of that around a mate's house. I never owned it, and it was like amazing. And then, you know, I'm a sucker for. I love. I love all the lore for. My, almost everything G-Dub does. I love all the games. Titanicus was a fantastic game system. I'd seen it played at uh, a weekender. So jumped in and then I'm like, where are the podcasts? Like this game is yeah, yeah. fantastic. Like really good. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like can't wait for a revised edition just to clean things up. But yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a fantastic game and no one's talking about it. So hmm. go on then. If I, I, talked to, I talked to the wife and I said, if I can find someone who can do some of the heavy lifting with me because I'm not very organized. List my listeners of my shows will know, but hmm. um, my co-host Matt Woodsmith is uh, a very knowledgeable guy, um, uh, particularly old school, knows his old school stuff. Nice. And he, he can bring topics and, and do that side of things and let me just do the grunt work. Um, and we combine a little bit. So yeah, I was like, screw it. I like talking about stuff. Um, you know, anyone who's got a podcast got a little bit of an ego about thinking that people want to listen to them. So I don't know what you mean. That's exactly. I've, I've heard some yes. <laughs> quite big podcasters say they haven't got egos, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you gotta have a so, bit. Yeah, yeah, and this becomes I mean, podcasting has become a hobby that mm. takes time away from my other hobby, um, which is one reason why I'm never going to own a 3D printer. I don't need another hobby no, within no. within this hobby. Yeah. Um, and I love talking about it and I love the interactions that have come from podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I've been to, you know, I, when I go to Adepticon, I've got friends in the Age of Sigmar room. I've got friends in the 40K room. I've got friends in the Heresy room, the Adepts of Titanic nice. room. And through, actually, through uh, people like Neil Hollis, who was one of my hosts on um, the Imperial Truth, uh, who's won a Slayer Sword at a Heresy Weekender. Um, nice. and multiple golden demons i got into knowing a lot of painters so i also can go into the painting rooms and you know um yeah the curse is i understand painting much better than i can do it uh -huh. because of time with those guys but yeah, yeah. so it, it's just it's created a lot of great relationships um around nice. you know whatever and and yeah it's 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 fun i wouldn't do it if it was fun at the end of the day yeah, of course. Well, that's lovely too. I mean, um, so, yeah, it's all things, all things Adeptus Titanicus. So, yeah. and it also means because unfortunately, a few Adeptus Titanicus um, kind of podcasts are buried in heresy podcasts because there's strong links in the community between well, the two, and because they're set in the same time period. And I was like, you know, people, some people will play heresy and they'll just skip whole section so let's just pour mm. it out make it its own show make it its own thing that's a good plan um, yeah and I kind of I still do the same amount of podcasting I used to but I do it for two different game systems now lovely yeah why not the the yeah. thing you just reminded me of there was uh, with Titan Legions I remember the Imperator um, Titan had a weapon called the Plasma Annihilator but oh. when I was I'm going to say around 10 or 11 when that game came out. Uh, I I couldn't, my, I, I didn't do the words so good back then. Sure. And um, I referred to it constantly as a plasma inhaler, which um, would be a pretty... A whole different weapon, that one. It's a pretty radical way to solve <laughs> asthma, I think. Um, but yes. Uh, no, that's won't wonderful. have asthma after that. No, no. Well, <laughs> among other things you won't have after that, but yes. Um, no, thank you for that. Because, yeah, and no, I... I like I say, I've listened to one episode of Full Stride. I will be listening to more because um, oh, I have quite a few tiny titans that I need to get on with. They're on the list um, cool. for, for one day. Um, right, let's talk about a couple more of your uh, projects that you're currently working on that are upcoming. Um, so we've got your Sons of Behemoth Army. How's that going? Slowly. Um, yeah, I, I had a kind of what do I do with Age of Sigma kind of thing? I used to be mm. a very, I used to go to a lot of Warhammer tournaments, fantasy battle tournaments. Yeah. Um, and Age of Sigma, um, the new, the, the modern game style of 40K and Age of Sigma, where everything can be in combat turn one and all that, is not really my thing. No. I prefer that maneuvering and, and, and a bit of that. But I've got friends in the hobby. I still like the game. It's still a good game. I just have to play it 
um, in a more casual way. Yeah. Um, if you if you can with that many rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, and I had I'd bought a Sylvan F army off a mate, and never really. It's weird how some armies just don't stick. Just couldn't quite get into it. I played them, and they were all right, but yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't have the passion for them. Um, and I was like, I need a new army. Um, and then, oh, m- what a kit. Mm-hmm. the uh you know the mega gargants are they are phenomenal kids they're lovely aren't they and i was like you know what four of them's not cheap but it's cheaper than a big army and they're fun and i can go to if if i go to a warhammer event or age of sigma event and i'm going there to meet mates i haven't seen in a while because i'll go to one or two a year yeah i could just push four models around the table and there's mm-hmm. a there's a big appeal to just being cool I've yeah. got four models and it will take me three minutes to move them yeah, no, it takes a nice little bit stage, longer yeah. to do some. Yeah, absolutely. It just takes the pressure off. You know, yeah, when yeah. you're at an event, uh, you know they can be quite good as well. So it's not like I'm just going to get tabled. But um, mm. it's fun. I did buy a Kragnos to go with them as well. Cool. Um, and because uh, I ended up getting suckered into a load of cool boys because Games Workshop make amazing models. But, they um, do. Yes. Longer term projects, shall we say? Yes. Yeah. No. I, just, I know exactly what you mean. That I, I too have a few um, swamp dwelling orcs that yeah. I'm not going to get round to for a very long time. But. Oh yeah. When 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 GW um, when they commit to something and hmm. um, what they've done with Age of Sigma, the amount. Of, so I most of our club pay. 40k um and i'm uh, in heresy a lot but constantly hearing oh but age of sigma have the best models and mm. the freedom that age of sigma have allowed them within that design space has led to some absolutely amazing things yeah, yeah. just gone crazy and it's top notch yeah they do have that sort of they've got sort of green open pastures whereas i think 40k yeah. is more you've got to do you know redo the old r redo the towel or yeah there's boundaries there isn't there there's a, there's a lot of history to go with and age of sigma ties into history mm-hmm. uh whilst also running away from it with its you know claws and wings held open absolutely all right so uh, alongside that let's delve very quickly into the alternative reality that can only be um well it's one of my favorite alternative realities blood bowl um, you mentioned oh. you got some Blood Bowl plans for the future. Yeah, we Blood Bowl. So when I was younger, um, uh, my all my all my games workshop games were box games, yeah. and it was my my birthday's in January. So it was like, can I have if I have birthday and Christmas presents together? Can I have the latest thirty five forty quid box set that came yeah, out? Yeah. So it was Man of War, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, all that stuff. Um, so Blood Bowl's been my constant kind of game that i you know i love it i've had halfling teams for years and years and years um, and they just started up a new league and my other one was is undead so i've got some um the shambling undead oh, cool. uh, the new kits are just phenomenal but yeah then i mean i've got yeah they're just it's, all the new kits for blood bowl are amazing um i've got i have painted my halflings i just need to get some more uh need to get another treatment and a few of other course. little bits yeah, yeah. For that, but the, the shambling undead are what I'm using in this in this league um, to just hit stuff with mummies. Yeah, why not? This is pretty fun. Just so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> although you can't have Morgan Thorg, who I still think is the the most fun. But yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But is that still a rule? Yeah, I, I I can't remember to be honest. I haven't looked at him in the new rules. My yeah. my one because yeah, I because I just love everything that GW do. Um, I can't remember, but you know, I'm pretty no. good with rules, but getting mixed up between systems and trying to keep track of, you know, games workshop have to provide enough for any one person to play one game. Yeah. Um, which means that if you would play six games, you're always going to struggle. Yeah. So. Wouldn't it be nice to have the self-control where you just think I'm going to pick one system. I, that's all I'm going to do. I am always jealous of that person. Mm. Who's just like, you know what? I'm an 40 K orc player. Yeah. And yeah. I will never paint another model, and I and I'm just like I, mm, but I can. I'm always mm. that guy who's like, but I want to try that, and I want to try that, and I want to try. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm I remain a sucker for the shiny new toy soldier mm. um, every single time. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's been wonderful, Greg. Thank you very much for uh, taking us through all of uh, your life and miniatures. I've got two questions that I end every podcast with. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing your answers on these. First off, 
What's your favourite colour of paint? I think it's corn red. Corn red. Yeah, a lot of people don't like reds, but I think it's the colour I use most. So therefore, it's probably my favourite colour. And I painted my whole Mechanicum army with corn red. Um, and people used to say, wow, that's an amazing red. How did you do it? And I was like, I used two thin <laughs> coats of corn red. And they're like, yeah. Ah. And I'm like, no, that, that was it. Like, it's just... Yeah, yeah, if it works, it works. Yeah. I like red. And yeah, it works. I mean, they, they do some amazing colours, but yeah, yeah, it's corn red. Well, as, as, as someone with a uh, 30k heresy, uh, Blood Angels Army, um, I, I concur. Red is very good. Um, <laughs> it is, it's certainly wonderful okay um last question if you could paint any one model this year it can be anything that either exists or you can something that doesn't even exist yet or something that's rumored to exist one model what would you go for see the thing is it's weird it's like if i had to paint it Mm. (laughs) it feels wrong um but i think it might be smaug actually Oh, wow. Okay. I think it might be Smaug. That model, A, because my missus would love it. She's a massive Lord of the Rings fan. Right. She can, what well, she does, in fact, uh, mouth along with the films. Um, she nice, knows nice. all the words. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. And so it would take pride of place. Um, the only problem would be I would be forever. It's, it's one of those things where if I had Smaug, I'd want it painted better than I could paint it. In fact, mm. when I when I said to um, said to Emma, "Do you want Smaug?" She said, "Yes, if it's painted like that one, looking at the Forge World one." And I was like, "Well, yeah. you know, if you save up, you could you could hire whoever to paint it for you." But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, oh, well. yeah, just one model. Like yeah. that's that's not that's been out a few years now, Smaug. And yeah, it has. Yeah, it's, uh, it still know. looks fantastic. Whenever I walk past those Middle Earth cases at mm. Warhammer World and, and see it in there, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. So. Yeah. Oh, hang absolutely. on. And Would this get you into another game system, though, if you had Smaug? So I have got plenty of Lord of the Rings models. Yeah, really? and okay. I have played a bit. So I used to be a staffer, uh, as a lot of yeah. people my age um, used to do uh, Sunday Club. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was a key timer when they still had key timers. That dates yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I used to run a lot of Lord of the Rings back in the day when Hobbits were the filth. And. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got models and it's one of those games that I keep meaning to pick up um, the community for like on, on Facebook, the community for uh, Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth just seem like a great community. There seems yeah. to be very little of the, the, the kind of common issues you get in some of the other communities. Yep. Obviously, you know, it's, it's loud voices in, you know, small, small portions of loud voices, but you just yeah. get less of it in, in, in Middle Earth from what I can see. You really and, do. Um, and they're I mean, coming out with some stunning models. They are. And yes, I remember when, whenever there was a Middle Earth event on in Warhammer World, um, when I was working there, it would be like, oh, that's nice. Because you like those people. They're all friendly and they're happy to be there <laughs> and they're having fun. And you just think, there's not going to be any drama. There's not going to be anyone hating It's really either. strange because it's a very competitive environment. Yeah, very. Yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. And, and the game is designed that way as well. And yet they've struck a balance somehow it's like self-regulated kind of community yeah. that have managed to strike that balance really well and i think uh i think we we could all learn something from you know obviously you know there's there's exemplars and there's in, in all in all formats but there's um yeah we mm. could all learn a little bit from the middle earth community i think i think that's particularly very, when very you're true. in some of these older communities that can sometimes be a little bit curmudgeonly mm-hmm. and back in my day um Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I think, hey, let's take that as an example. We should all be a little bit more like the Hobbit lot. And, yeah, uh, why not? They're a nice bunch of folk. Um, Greg, that's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you very, very much for joining me on on this. And it's been lovely to uh, take a walk down memory lane with you through your life in miniatures. Um, and we, yeah, look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, there you go, folks. Um, I, I, I've already recorded this outro once already, right? But for some reason, I think it's this podcast. It's just, it's cursed. It's, uh, it's, it's snake bit when it comes to um, names because I recorded this outro and I kept referring to Greg as Dan. 
Um, and I blame that entirely on him having two Christian names in his in his name, um, which I know technically, you, like there are kids called Ashton these days, but I, you know, that doesn't count. Anyway, wasn't that good? That was wonderful. I really had a fun time talking with Greg. See, I got it right that time, Greg. Uh, I, I had a really fun time talking with Greg about um, his life in the hobby uh, and his history with miniatures. Again, I'm going to recommend if you've got the chance. If you're into the Horus Heresy, check out the Imperial Truth podcast. Uh, and if you're into uh, Adeptus Titanicus, check out the Full Stride podcast. They should both be available everywhere where you can get podcasts, much like this podcast, My Life in Miniatures, which um, if you are if you found this for the first time, you're like, oh, I wish this was on Apple or Google or Amazon or um, wherever you listen to your podcast, it should be there. If it's not, let me know. I'll see what I can do. Um, yeah, but that was cool. I loved that. That was, um, that's given me loads of things to think about because I'm now trying to work out in my head, which is my favorite Primark objectively, because objectively, well, if it's up to me, it's always sanguineous, but now I'm thinking, "Mm, I kind of like Vulcan. I think Vulcan looks, looks better. Um, but mm, I don't know. Anyway. Um, and I also really want to paint a Thanatar now as well. So um thanks greg for putting that bee in my bonnet um it was great to hear mentions of uh titan legions and uh sabutio which um i did watch some of the the sabutio championships that you can find on youtube and uh wow that is a, a unique and strange scene um which hey as long as people are having fun not hurting people why not um, each to their own takes all sorts to make a world uh, yeah so I think that's it I think I think we're done um, I hope you've had fun doing whatever you've been doing if you've been hobbying away I hope your clippers have been sharp and your paintbrushes have also been well sharp I suppose um, and the uh, yeah everything's going well and um, I hope you're having a lovely day I hope you have, continue to have a lovely day I'm going to stop rambling and just say thank you very much for listening and we will see you on episode 9 of My Life in Miniatures next time so um, yeah happy hobbying <laughs>